together, making our Christmas memories. I've been working so much lately, I can barely find the time to sleep. Yes, what a great song hello you're watching episode 11 of the life of gem live video podcast this is my last show of the year the music's coming back on this is my last show of the year and this is a special gratitude show live from my home in the inland empire first a word from our sponsor Hi, I'm Delilah, and I own Hotbox Vintage in South Pasadena, California. At Hotbox, our goal is curating vintage pieces that you can't live without. Our collection includes everything from the 1940s to even the early 2000s. What excites us eclectic and unconventional sales there's no one-size-fits-all approach to fashion. Hotbox is priced for accessibility so that literally anyone can discover some vintage gems of their own. Plus, it's sustainable. Find us on Instagram and use code RAGHOUSE at checkout for 20% off your first order at hotboxvintage.com. That's a good discount, Hotbox Vintage. I'm back. So this episode is a special gratitude episode. It's going to be short, sweet, uplifting. First, I'm going to read my story called A Man's Christmas Story from about a decade ago. After my story, I'm going to talk about what I'm grateful for, and I hope you will too in the comments. And then I'm going to tell you about my top five Christmas movies, five. So first, here's a story I wrote back in 2010. It's called A Man's Christmas Story. It is Christmas Eve, and I am thinking of Christmases long, long ago. Christmas reminds me of waking up early to watch The Little Rascals on KTLA Channel 5. Christmas reminds me of my dad's homemade donuts. Take Pillsbury biscuit dough from the twist pop can and fry the rounds in canola oil. And then you roll them in sugar. You must eat hot. Christmas reminds me of my sisters. We were not that well off, but my parents always loaded the tree with presents. The Christmas paper flew in the air on Christmas morning like colorful planes. I asked my mom recently if she remembered the Barbie dream house they got us for Christmas one year. I must have been about six or seven, and my sisters and I wanted that Barbie doll dream house so bad, almost as bad as the kid in A Christmas Story wanted a Red Ryder BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. The 1970s was an era of imagination. The Barbie dream house had an elevator, which was actually just a box on a string that you pulled to take Barbie upstairs. The dream house must have cost $100, and my parents tricked us, told us there wasn't enough money, and we thought it wasn't going to happen that year. But when we woke up and saw the building under the paper, we knew. My sisters and I screamed and yelled with joy, and I can remember being the first one to pull the string on the elevator. I'm the oldest, I reasoned. Annie was too young to complain, and Jackie accepted the fact with resignation. I wish I could get excited about anything like that as an adult. Not all Christmases were full of surprises, however. 
One Christmas, me and my sisters decided that we would have Christmas a week early. My sisters and I searched and searched and finally found the presents in the attic. My mom was not the neatest Christmas wrapper, so we knew it would be no problem to rewrap them. But the fantasy is always better than the reality. And our faces fell as we finished opening the presents. We knew we had ruined something beautiful. On Christmas morning, we did our best to act surprised. Years later, we told my mom about it. My mom said that they didn't know, and she was glad that they didn't know because my dad was huge on surprises. He would come home from Mayflower Moving Company and say, pick a hand, and one hand would be a big taffy bar, and in the other would be a Milky Way. Christmas time also reminds me of seeing my dad's gray face in the emergency room right before Christmas years ago. We didn't know it at the time, but he would be dead less than a month later. I remember shopping at the Rite Aid next to the hospital for him that Christmas, and I bought him a mini portable DVD player and some movies for him to watch in his bed on the oncology floor. We got the news right around Christmas that dad could go home on hospice. I spent the two weeks after Christmas helping to care for him. I tried to make him eat. He had lost 75 pounds. I used to watch him sleep. I try not to remember the day my dad died and how awful that day was. I try not to remember how it felt to tell the paramedics that they could let him go. Instead, I remember how my dad decorated the house for Christmas every year. Some people are subtle with an all white or an all blue look. My dad was the opposite. He went for the gusto with rainbow lights in the largest size bulbs he could find. He placed lights on all the shrubs, on all the windows, and on all the trees. Our house resembled a mini Vegas. I remember how my dad decorated the Christmas tree with tinsel. My dad used to throw it on the tree with a shout while we all sighed with displeasure. My sisters and I wanted garland, not tinsel. I remember the bird that my dad used to hide in the tree. It was a bird in a silver ball and it used to chirp and sing. I remember our childhood games of gin rummy and how my dad used to slap his hand on the table when one of us did the grievous sin of discarding a playable card. Rummy! I remember how my dad used to cook breakfast. Fried bologna and eggs or pancakes with jelly inside. He's in all my best stories. And if I close my eyes and concentrate hard enough, I can remember my dad dressed up as Santa. And of course, my Barbie dream house. That's it. That's my story. I hope that you like that story and that you get everything you want for Christmas. Speaking of Christmas wants and needs, all I want for Christmas is health and wellness for everyone. And from my hubby, some new headphones. What are you thankful for? Tell me in the comments. I might even read them out loud. I'm grateful for many things right now. I recently wrote a blog talking about how I feel like I'm in a snow globe without snow. I'm kind of trapped in this house a lot. 
but I'm grateful that I have a beautiful home and I have my husband and our moms and I have, of course, the two Shih Tzus, Frodo and Chewbacca and making a special guest appearance. Come on, Chewbacca. He got mad right now. Hi, everybody. This is Chewbacca. Okay. I had uh, antlers for him, but he'll get really mad if I put them on. I'm also grateful for my sisters and all my friends and my best friends, Tracy and Melinda. And I'm grateful for my work colleagues at the Public Defender's Office, whose hard work for our clients and for all of the resilience they have had during this pandemic. You inspire me, public defenders, every public defender, every county. I'm also grateful for my MFA program. I just finished my first class. And I'm grateful for this podcast and for my producer, April Duran, who helped make my dreams come true. Much like how I wanted a Barbie dream house when I was little and my parents had to build it at midnight, this podcast is a labor of love and we've built it. And so finally, I am grateful for everyone who's watching Tracy, Felicia, my sisters, everyone that's commented, everyone that's called in. Thank you. And I love you all. And I have the best wishes for all of you. Now, does anyone have any gratitude that they want to put in the comments? Here we go. Gina Ray Duran, who owns IE Hope Collective. I'm grateful for community and for my new job teaching foster youth yoga at Chafee College. Ah, congratulations, Gina. That's a great gratitude. I'm, I'm happy for you. Oh, and Felicia and Nick are watching. I'm grateful for both of you. Happy anniversary. Now, a gem holiday show would not be a holiday episode without me talking about my top five Christmas movies. And I'm going to go from favorite to number five. So number one favorite Christmas movie of all time, Miracle on 34th Street, the original 1947 black and white version with Natalie Wood as little Susan, who learns to believe. Santa is subject to a conservatorship trial in this show. It has everything you want, suspense, touching moments, and the Macy's Day Parade, and the best ending ever when Susan gets her dream home. Like I got my Barbie dream house. See the connections here? It all comes together. Two, and of course you knew this by the story I read. My second favorite Christmas movie of all time is, oh, Felicia, good, good comment, is, um, is a Christmas story based on the memoir in God we trust all others pay cash a Christmas story has the best lines ever you'll shoot your eye out as well as a creepy Santa hilarity and a Thanksgiving at a Chinese restaurant and again coming back to me and my past my mom worked at a Chinese restaurant my whole childhood so that's number two Number three, and it's a somewhat unusual Christmas choice, but it has Christmas scenes. Little Women from 1933, black and white, Catherine Hepburn as Joe. Now, we're not going to argue about this. There's great versions of Little Women. I know this, Winona Ryder, other ones, Elizabeth Taylor, but my favorite is the 1933 version with Catherine Hepburn as Joe. Oh, it's so, so good. 
My number four Christmas movie, which some may not know of, is a movie with John Leguizamo. It's a Latino version of a Christmas movie. It's called Nothing Like the Holidays. It's chisme, family drama, dynamics. Check it out if you don't know about it. And number five, you cannot have a Christmas movie list without Elf. Will Ferrell as Buddy, heavily inspired by Rudolph and the claymation. And I love it so much, I could watch it every day. And as an honorable mention, and this goes out to Tracy, of course, Nightmare Before Christmas, which is kind of Christmas, kind of Halloween, so it's not on the list, but it should be up there. So, Tracy Sauls is grateful for her family and extended for her job and for the life she has been blessed with thus far. Ah, what a beautiful gratitude. So, I have a quick antidote. Hi, Cindy. Uh, we were thinking about selling our house recently, and we decided not to. And um, we got maybe 50 calls, and I was doing court call. And finally, I pick up the phone, and I'm like, what? Who is calling me? And it ended up being a real estate agent. But she apologized. She listened to me. And she was so kind that she brought back my faith in humanity. So I have to give a shout out to an Inland Empire real estate agent. She works for Legacy Real Estate. Her name is Miss Williams, Latoria, Latoria, Latoria Williams, L-A-T-O-R-I-A Williams. And she sent me the nicest card with the nicest note. And inside that card was another card. And you, it's like Russian dolls, right? So I opened up this little card and there was a quote that said, act as if it were impossible to fail. So thank you, Miss Williams. I really appreciate that. Talk about turning a negative into a positive. And the reason I tell that story is that it, it could have been a much different situation. Instead, she listened to me, she apologized, and then she sent me this, these cards. And it turns out she's my neighbor. You never know who you're talking to on the phone. So next, I want to talk out about IE Hope Collective. They're doing a clothing donation and other donation drive this month. They're teaming up with my producer, Rackhouse Media, to collect cold weather wear, blankets, toiletries for the homeless in the Inland Empire in Los Angeles. The IE Hope Collective was originally founded by Gina Duran in 2013 at Chafee College, and their mission is to help the homeless people in LA and the Inland Empire. The IE Hope Collective is currently accepting donations of jackets, sweaters, scarves, beanies, masks, blankets, socks, dry foods, toiletries, women's hygiene products, ponchos, water, and grocery gift cards. The last day for donations is the 19th. They hope to have everything by the 16th. The IE Hope Collective is picking up and they will social distance doing that. For more information, find them on Facebook or at the IE Hope Collective at gmail.com. And Gina, maybe you can put um, the email in the comments. Thank you. I think it's really important that we help those in the homeless population right now. As a public defender, they are my clients and they are suffering. And I also want to give a special shout out and prayer for those incarcerated during COVID. It is a dangerous, scary time and even more scary if you're incarcerated. For, so for all of those who are incarcerated, I'm praying for you. Okay. 
So anyone want to talk about what they're grateful for? Anyone else? April, what are you grateful for? Is my producer on? Yeah, currently I'm grateful for my health. I had a little health scare and I had to do some crazy cardio uh, tests and um, I was nervous the whole time. I I didn't realize how stressed out I was uh, throughout the process because it was like a month long process because, you know, they're so backed up. So I had to wait for one test, then a week later, another test. So they all came back excellent. And even though the doctor, the, the cardiologist assured me that nothing is certain, he did say that all my tests came back excellent. So I am grateful for my health because I really did start feeling, you know, um, I started thinking, you know, I'm a mom. So, you know, what if something bad or was going to happen or whatnot? But um, so that's what I'm grateful for my health and my little family. You have a beautiful family. And I think health is everything, especially right now. I'm going to urge everyone to stay safe, wear your masks, Um, keep yourself safe. And yeah, it's scary. You know, health is everything. You can't buy good health, right? You can't buy good health. Mm -hmm. But I do have to add something really quick. This is so hilarious. So I always call me and my little family, the misfits, because John and I, you know, we're, we're separated. We all have different last names, believe it or not. John has a last different last name, me and my son. And so it's funny because, um, we always tease each other on how we're the little misfit family and that movie elf. I have to throw out in that part where he says, bye, hope you find your dad. Well, because Joaquin's dad lives far away, every time John leaves and if he wants to joke with Joaquin, he always says, bye, hope you find your dad. <laughs> and vice versa, because John's son is currently not talking to uh, John mm-hmm. right now. That story, but Joaquin will tease him and go, bye, hope you find your son. <laughs> To say they turned something really dark and, and sad into a funny thing. So I'll end that there. <laughs> and I love that you call yourself the Misfits. That's uh, I used to have the whole set of the Misfits ornaments. I stole a lot of them. And that's my favorite part. I you know Hermie um, from the Rudolph claymation is an elf that wants to be a dentist. And my husband yeah. is a dentist. So yeah. I always buy him Hermie stuff. <laughs> I am not just a Misfit. I'm sure I'm messing up the words. We're all just misfits. I, 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 you know, as a punk rock girl growing up, um, we kind of branded ourselves as misfits. We, we wore that label with pride. And I think being a weirdo, being a misfit, I think it's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> so Felicia has a gratitude um, that she put in the comments. She says, I'm grateful for having a loving family and for drinking beers with you, Anita. I hope we can all have that scorpion drink soon. Definitely. Yeah, you know, um, I FaceTime a lot of my friends and drink because I'm a social person. It's been really hard for me during COVID. Um, I think this podcast has actually kept me going, you know, and uh, I don't, you know, it's been really hard. I haven't had that social avenue that I'm, I'm used to having. So, hey, Gina just said she loves the Misfits. So do I. Oh, punk rock, man. Okay, so finally, let's talk about next year. This is our last show of the year. And I have a star-studded roster next year. In January, I'm going to have my friend Courtney Albin on. She's a, a rock star lawyer. And then I also um, have lined up Cecilia by E. For those of you who don't know Cecilia, she is a writer for Texas Monthly. Um, She used to be a writer at large. Um, She writes for them now. And then she's 
an expert on border culture and Tejano music. And she's just an amazing writer. She writes these long form pieces that are wonderful. So Cecilia Bailly. And I have a couple of other uh, well-known writers coming on next year that haven't confirmed yet, but I'm hopeful, crossing my fingers. And finally, um, in March, I have Maria Vea, an essayist, and she just published this wonderful book of essays called Vestiges of Courage. So she'll be on in March. So I have a lot coming up next year. I'm so grateful everyone's been watching. Hey, we have some more gratitudes coming up. Cindy Nessinger is grateful that her family doesn't have COVID. We have two essential workers in our household. So very blessed. Ain't that the truth? Um, the court right now is having some outbreaks and I'm considered an essential worker. So tomorrow I have to go into court and represent my clients. And so it is scary for us essential workers until the vaccine comes out. I mean, we're putting our lives at risk, but not much you can do when you're deemed essential. So I just want to thank everyone for watching today. I know it's a short episode, but I really do appreciate April and Rag House Media making time for us tonight so we can still have a show, even though I'm working from home and it feels a little different. I'd rather be in the studio, but I'm here. So um, say everyone next year, be safe and well, and may all your dreams come true. Bye, everyone.